This is a 3CR community radio podcast. And Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Encyclopedia. Um, you might have tuned in for Freedom of Species, though. So if you tuned in for them, thank you uh, on behalf of Freedom of Species. Uh, and we are in Psychedelia, and we'll be talking about uh, an, a range of drug issues, uh, which we neither condone nor condemn the actual taking of the drugs. We're here to talk about the issues around what happens when people have already done so, already have that in their lives. Uh, if you want to find out more, though, about Freedom of Species, 3cr.org.au is the place to go. You can find uh, their own website, their podcast, which you can subscribe to. <laughs> subscribe to <laughs> they're also on social media uh where you can get in contact with them which is all the sort of places that we are as well so please get in contact with us we love your feedback we love to hear from you on facebook twitter via our website send us an email especially if you have any comments contributions complaints or uh i don't know condemnations or whatever you want we're happy to hear from you uh, from you my name is nick and this is in psychedelia. Ash Blackwell is with me. Ash, how are you doing uh, this afternoon? Fantastically, thanks, Nick. Uh, now, this afternoon we have uh, we've broken the show into every month we do a special focus on various different aspects of uh, drug policy in Australia. This week is Students for Sensible Drug Policy, and we're focusing on that. Uh, Ash, you're the Vice President of SSDP Australia, the umbrella body for a number of SSDP chapters. That's correct, I am. It's a uh, busy time for us right now, the start of university. So we've been busy getting things ready for O-Week, and um, students have been out and about over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we're just trying to work with them now to, to help support the members. Um, our president, Penny Hill, who's you know, regular on the show also, is actually in Europe right now. She's going as uh, an Australian student representative to the Commission on Narcotic Drugs in Vienna. That's the... Um, so, yeah, yeah. Just for those who don't know what the Commission on Narcotic it, Drugs, we did cover this last year, but that was a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it's the branch of the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime. They have a, a yearly, uh, like, I guess, conference to talk about how international drug control regimes are working, how how different nations are cooperating on various things. So, yeah, it's um, it could be an interesting year over there. Um, I guess Penny will be on the show in a couple of weeks to tell us how it all goes. Um, Ash, uh, 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 Penny certainly manages to get overseas a lot as well. She She's involved with the um, C&D process. She's also involved with a lot of uh, uh, Southeast Asian drug policy organisations, uh, talking about them, uh, uh, talking to them about drug policies in Southeast Asia, an area that's uh, particularly rife with prohibition and some particularly uh, uh, strong laws as well. Yeah, we mentioned it on the show last week that, that uh, it's possible there could be a bit of talk about what's happening in the Philippines at the, the Commission on Narcotic Drugs this year. So I guess we'll wait and see that the, some of the early stuff that... Um you know, we've been hearing from there is is that there there might be some language brought into those documents that, you know, it, it, creating the documents for these big organisations, it's like there's you know, over a hundred nations that have to all agree on the language, so they they it's it tends to create a bit of a conservative kind of thing. So, 
So yeah, we'll it's... be we'll be hearing from Penny in a few weeks once she's back from overseas. This afternoon, though, we're going to uh, be speaking to Dean Rossiter um, from SSDP in Latrobe. SSDT, uh, SSDP Latrobe hasn't actually formed into an official society there yet, so he has no position. Uh, but it sounds to me like he's uh, of presidential material. What do you think? The, yeah, they're having their <laughs> AGM on on Tuesday, and um, very I, I expect that they they will elect him president then. So we'll be speaking to him soon. Uh, but in the meantime. Uh, and psychedelia news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or, or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a, a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. One coming from Israel this time, um, in what many people would consider a bit of good news, Israel has officially decriminalised marijuana use. Um, this is coming from, for, for those of you who don't know, Israel is one of the countries really leading the research in cannabis science. Um, a lot of the stuff around medical applications has come out of Israel, uh, which has probably, you know, formed part of the argument for decriminalization. So it will still be a civil offense. So you can still be fined for possessing and uh, using cannabis, um, but criminal sanctions will only be against people that are repeat offenders or, you know, trafficking large volumes. i got to say, when, when you say that, uh, I, I do think of that uh, that quote that came out recently that I think was from Richard Nixon uh, when he was instigating these attacks against political enemies based on sort of a, a false allegation. Oh, well, a false a false, false attention thing, like, oh, pay attention to their drug use, not their politics, uh, when he said, what is it with the Jews? And... Uh, oh, that's... Yeah, that's right. It, it was... It was um, terribly, terribly anti-Semitic. It, it was... Yeah, there were... There were he, like, I think he was paranoid and recorded some of his meetings in the Oval Office. The, the audio is actually available on YouTube for that stuff, so... It's yeah. it's very disturbing. This, uh, if if you don't know what we're talking about, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, information that's become available more recently about some of the uh, beginnings of the so-called war on drugs. And when I use that terminology, I'm using a specific phrase referring to uh, a phrase that began in the 1970s uh, through uh, Richard. Nixon, um, who, who spread it across the was it 1970s, yeah, across the American discourse. If I'm slightly off by a few years here, never mind. If you know, you know. So, uh, I, I, you know, I think the Israel example it, it just kind of highlights that uh, amongst like modern uh, Western democracies, there really is a global shift t towards uh, policies that focus more on health 
than on criminal sanctions and punishment. Crossing to Australia, where two men uh, have died after apparently being cooked from the inside, as uh, news headlines have uh, made out to be uh, in, apparent, in an apparent drug overdose. Now, when they say that, they mean that uh, what occurred was, I think it's, is it hyperthermia when it's too hot? Um, so when you overheat, which is just above uh, 42 degrees Celsius, you've got a very careful balance between, I think it's 38 and 42. You want to be about 38.5 for human life inside your body, I think. Don't consult your doctor if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but it's it's about that. So they got a bit above that. So what happened was whatever substance they'd taken, they thought that it was uh, methamphetamine, or uh, that's the allegation in the news reports. Uh, but clearly there was something else involved, and they overheated. Uh, overheating is a very common way that people die from a number of substances, including, from what I understand, a number of pharmaceutical substances. Uh, but certainly uh, the uh, line in the news, cooked from the inside, uh, sounds far more exciting, like it's some kind of evil microwave drug that just like zaps you inside and just cooks your insides. Uh, this this again is another uh, uh, another uh, point at which we need we need to have better drug education. The thing that bothered me in that news article, well, I mean there were lots of things that bothered me, but the statements of the police officer, I don't I don't have them here in front of me, so I'll, I'll paraphrase from memory. Um, it. it whether it was whether synthetic, it's a bad batch of ice, that's the one. Some form of synthetic drug, a bad cocktail of drugs, or something thrown into the pills. Does it really matter? Now, These my response for are that, a horrible way to go. My response to that was yes, it matters. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it matters. Like we need to know if it's if it is a synthetic cannabis product that's causing significant harm in the community, causing people to die. If it's something in a pressed pill, we can warn people about that. That's something that we can specifically address. And that that quote was uh, attributed to one senior detective who told Fairfax Media, and that's on the uh, Age and Sydney Morning Herald websites. Uh, but the senior detective is not uh, specifically outlined there. Uh, but but the point is, when, when somebody says to you, uh, does does actually knowing why somebody died really matter if, like, this broad range of things sometimes kills people? Uh, and if you've got a broad range of people that sometimes take these things, then, yeah, probably the thing that sometimes very occasionally kills people, uh, important information. Uh, now, uh, let's cross to AOD Media Watch. AOD Media Watch, one of the um, uh, a new website that's popped up over the past... Uh, few months, aodmediawatch.com.au, looking into uh, drug stories across Australia and how well they're reported, especially since there seems to be a lack of uh, intelligent discourse in these things, a lack of expertise. And the headline of this one is, how did the Daily Mail get it so wrong? The difference between sensationalist commentary and uh, journal- uh, journalism. And they were talking about the recent uh, uh, information that was given out about a specific uh, pink capsule that was um, spotted in places like Canberra and Melbourne as well. Uh, the pink capsule was alleged to contain 4-FA or fluoroamphetamine and 25-C in bone, a uh, highly uh, potent phenethylamine, uh, which has been implicated in some deaths from what we understand. 
And what were they, what they did, uh, aodmediawatch.com.au, is took apart the news story, which used a number of terms, things like fake MDMA, bad batch of MDMA, uh, people that were fighting for their life, all these sorts of things, and actually looked into whether there was anybody in hospital that was anything like fighting for their life, uh, which there wasn't, actually, apparently. Uh, bad batch of MDMA, was there actually a batch of MDMA out there that was recorded by somebody and was it a bad batch? Well, we can't say that because MDMA never has a good batch that we can go, oh, that's a good batch of MDMA, so why could we ever say that's a bad batch? That's ridiculous. We've always got a unknown batch of some kind of drug. Uh, and uh, the other one, fake MDMA. I'm not even sure what that's meant to mean. Uh, that's that's one of those things that gets thrown around. I think fake around. MDMA is maybe closer to the mark than, than any of those other, other terms. I, 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 I know what you mean. I just feel like it's one of those things like, I feel like, imagine if you came up to me and you gave me a bottle of Pepsi and you're like, here's some fake coke bra (laughs) yeah no no that's a good way of putting it totally weird like i'd be like what is it is it coke or is it something else and you'd be like oh well it's pepsi and then i'd be like okay it's pepsi i don't know it's it just seems odd to say something is a fake something like what what does that mean i might be getting hung up on the wrong points here let's move on um so we had um this week, an article from the Sydney Morning Herald, experts slam TGA is e-cigarette ban as unethical and unscientific. Um, this is in relation to a review that's been happening at the Therapeutic Goods Administration uh, around the regulation of alternative smoking products, so vaping, e-cigarettes, um, that kind of thing. And... Um, uh, you know, it's just kind of calling out the lack of evidence in the ongoing bans around the sale and uh, rules so that people can import nicotine products for using in vaping. So just uh, we'll clarify some things here. If you are somebody that uses uh, e-cigarettes, uh, perhaps you're somebody that believes that... Uh or maybe somebody that imports nicotine and believes that that's legal. Uh, just to clarify some things, first of all, uh, e-cigarettes are legal to buy and and own in Victoria, but they're very difficult to sell. For those that want to sell them to you and sell good quality products to you, uh, it's very difficult. There's only about a dozen stores all across Victoria that specialise in this equipment, which is often very uh, specialised equipment, um, but they're, they're finding it more and more difficult, so you're ending up with these sort of uh, halfway between products. Um, now, if you're using a e-juice that contains nicotine uh, and you're ordering that from overseas and you don't have a prescription for your, from your doctor, you are breaking the law. Technically, the only way to do it, you can import up to, I think it's a three-month supply, personal supply, if you have a prescription from your doctor uh, for quitting smoking, essentially. It's a nicotine replacement therapy. And this is this is where we're getting caught up, that it's being considering, considered something that is meant to replace tobacco for your better health rather than compete against it, whether or not it's uh, for your better health. But we have seen that uh, e-cigarettes are winning out on that <laughs> side as well. Yeah, it's it's um, it's been strange for me to uh, lose a little bit of respect for organisations like the Cancer Council, which, um, you know, my dad's had two different types of cancer that he's beaten. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of raised with this big respect for that organization and now they're one of the groups that seems to be uh, kind of getting in the way of something which 
in theory, based on all the science that, that's available right now, should reduce the rates of um, cancer in the community. It does seem a little bit strange, and we're likely to hear a lot more over the coming weeks on that issue. Uh, but on sale right now are the Entheogenesis Australis or EGA 2017 Psychedelic Symposium tickets. The EGA Psychedelic Symposium is on from the 8th until the twen- uh, 10th of 2017, December. Uh, and they're going to be covering a range of topics, botanical, academic and lifestyle uh, issues. Uh, if you listen to In Psychedelia, we will be talking to a number of people who will be speaking there. Uh, also, the Australian Psychedelic Society are a good organisation to follow if you want to know uh, what's been going on there. And of course, EGA themselves. If you want to buy a ticket entheogenesis.org or entheo e-n-t-h-e-o dot org forward slash tickets they're on sale now um I highly recommend you buy them now. There are a very limited um, uh, a number of tickets. Um, they're not going to be able to have quite as many people as in previous years, but it is going to be uh, quite the event. This Wednesday was International Women's Day. There were a series of events here at 3CR. Um, we did share a couple of articles. Uh, they were old articles, but um, we shared them from the SSDP page earlier this week. And, you know, maybe it's a, a good idea just to revisit some of these these kinds of um, stats around females, drug use and incarceration because... Um, it's the kind of thing that you keep need you do need to keep coming back to just to remind people of the dynamic there's different sections of the community that are impacted in different ways by drug laws prohibition and the way that all of that works and and females have um you know some very specific interactions around that so you know just a couple of stats from an old article on the conversation uh, up to 90% of female prisoners have experienced abuse in their lives these experiences range from childhood abuse to sexual assault and intimate partner violence during adulthood um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women are affected disproportionately. The number of women being incarcerated increased by over 50% between 2005 and 2015. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women make up around 30% of all incarcerated women in Australia. And this is really just sort of the tip of the iceberg around dealing with that particular issue. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that in the week of International Women's Day. Um, we do talk about things, you know, the, the, I guess the mainstream media, the, the not 3CR media, talk about things like, um, you know, the gender pay gap and uh, equality of work in the workforce. And they are important issues, but, um, you know, I spend a bit of time listening to commercial talk back, you know, during my week at work. And um, they did get called out a few times for, for raising the issues of the middle class. And this is definitely one of those areas where th- there is a class element to it and there's a, a, an element of gender and sex discrimination as well in, in some of the ways that our drug laws work. And finally, the Victorian Drugs Inquiry is looking for your submissions up until March 17th, Friday, March 17th. It's only, geez, one week away one and a half weeks a, a away? week and a couple of days it's not far away uh, if you want more information the encyclopedia website we've put together a whole post to help you put together a submission but the important thing to remember is that everybody needs to make a submission if you're if it's something that affects your life or a friend's life or anybody around you's life please make a submission they want to hear 
stories from the general public. The two terms of reference, which is how they uh, basically put together this conversation, are number one, the effectiveness of laws, procedures and regulations relating to illicit and synthetic drugs and the misuse of prescription medication in minimising drug-related health, social and economic harm. And number two, the practice of other Australian states and territories and overseas jurisdictions and their approach to drug law reform and how other positive reforms could be adopted into Victorian law. It's important that we get our voices heard because there are some rumblings among the Victorian government at the moment towards some pretty uh, uh, straight down the prohibition, straight and narrow in terms of uh, pursuing a prohibition narrative, which uh, hasn't worked a bit. Because in the past week, what we've seen is the introduction um, of some uh, law that we haven't had a good chance to have a read through yet, but uh, Victoria is proposing a blanket ban on anything considered to be a psychoactive substance, which I put in little uh, sarcastic quotation marks with a psychoactive effect. Because, of course, this legislation includes so many exemptions it makes it absolutely ridiculous. Coffee, alcohol, nicotine, uh, any kind of pharmaceutical that has a psychoactive effect. Uh, anything that you don't have to put in your body to receive a psychoactive effect, which is a, a number of things. A number of things will have effects on the way that your mind works. This is why advertising works, because it changes the way that your mind works in order to get you to, you know, this is a psychoactive effect of sorts. You just don't have to consume something for it. These are some pretty absurd laws that have not worked anyway. Sorry. Well, well, I did <laughs> I, I did wonder if they were going to ban sex um, that Kind of has a psychoactive effect. Love is a psychoactive uh, <laughs> effect of two organisms uh, meeting and you know feeling some hormones between them. The Victorian government has introduced these on the back of trying to uh, look tough on methamphetamine. I also heard that the uh, Daniel Andrews government is looking at some polling, which is um, not great for them, and it will mean a victory for the Matthew Guy Liberal government if they're an election held today. But you know, we know how much uh, gra- how many grains of salt to take these sorts of things with when we hear them. <laughs> the polling is uh, often a little bit off or dodgy. But yeah, we, we we were talking about this a little bit off air. The um, you know, and and I think in terms of the kinds of bans that that governments bring in, um, the concerns around synthetic cannabis, uh, they have so they're not without justification entirely. And I guess my point of view on that is just legalize cannabis. Like we we know mm-hmm. the risks for it. It has it's widely used. It's been used for a long time. We we pretty much know where we stand with it, and like most people that smoke synthetic cannabis they would switch to cannabis like and smoke that straight away and the kinds of cannabis that would be available in a legal market would be less dangerous anyway so and this is i mean this it, is the it, problem that we're facing that uh, the the problem of all these new drugs is a problem that's created by prohibition instead of uh, the policy of uh, or the people that support the policy of prohibition realizing what they've caused they go hmm how can we make it even more broad uh, but this kind of legislation has been introduced in a number of countries uh, the UK more recently over the past year or so. Um, It's also been introduced in New South Wales and Western Australia, inside Australia. And Ireland, uh, back in 2010, was one of the first to introduce it. And in none of those jurisdictions, as far as I'm aware, um, they have uh, reduced the number of young people taking novel, that is brand new, never heard of, don't know what they do, psychoactive substances, new drugs, 
because they just get them off the black market or off the internet or wherever they're getting them from. So why are we... I mean, look, I understand they're trying to go, oh, if we get them off the shelves of wherever they're selling them, head shops, adult stores, tobacconists, uh, then they go, oh, well, we've sort of solved something. But have you really solved anything? Hang on, don't we sell, sell a lot of uh, harmful products from those shelves already? Like, m- maybe it's not so bad having them there where we can at, at least go, hey, let's regulate this. Well, I think the New Zealand model had it a bit closer to the mark. You know, let's do some testing. Let's figure out what's safe. And if it's safe, sell it. Unfortunately, I've also heard this week, and this was an uh, anecdote shared by a friend of mine, but he said uh, what, what, uh, what happened in New Zealand was they introduced this law. Um, nobody could get past the, uh, the, the ability to actually... No company could uh, actually put their product forward and get it tested for safety uh, because they were having to meet standards that the pharmaceutical and cosmetics industry would consider absurd um, in New Zealand. There's something around the animal. Animal testing, animal testing. That's right. So every other, like, yeah, yeah, we should be moving beyond animal testing. However, all uh, products that are uh, available for human use have to be put through uh, animal use first at the moment in New Zealand. That was the way that it was working. It's still the way that it's working. So nobody could get through. So, um, uh, you know, it's one of these like hard situations. Okay, we we can't do that. So no animals died. That's great. But what they have now in New Zealand is people uh, in the black market because it's all illegal now. Everything's illegal. There's nothing available. So it's all available through the black market. It's people are spraying carfentanil, which uh, some of you might have heard uh, uh, described as the uh, elephant tranquilizer sprayed onto Damiana, um, which is a herb mix, uh, which is commonly used for the synthetic cannabis type substances. So some of these products that people are buying and thinking is a, in quotation marks, synthetic cannabis, it's got nothing to do with synthetic cannabis. It's a, it's a highly potent opioid, synthetic opioid analogue, well, well, opioid. I hadn't heard that one. That's this was an anecdote I've heard. I have no evidence for it yet, but I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Yeah, one thing <laughs> that I do know, um, which you know should be coming out through some official channels soon, is the the MDMA market in New Zealand is littered with um, synthetic cathinones. There's there's some stuff there that um, has turned up that's like so new on the market. I, I'd never heard of it. I had to look it up. So we're going to be covering these uh, issues in the coming weeks. Uh, as you can tell, there's a lot always to cover, um, but we're going to get stuck into some music now. Take a dive into the mouth-watering world of Smoovie. That's S-M-O-O-V-I. And rise to a surface of new school dub delicacies. If you want to find more from Smoovie, it's soundcloud.com forward slash Smoovie, S-M-O-O-V-I, who uh, siphons his time between Melbourne and London. And this is Danger Tra- Oh, sorry, Fuzzy Panic on In Psychedelia on 3CR.
you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 8377 or go to our website www.3cr.org.au. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org. .au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. Push on a pedal, push on a pedal, get your heart started. Push on a pedal, push it down and up again. Push on a pedal. You have to try very hard not to have fun on a push bike. Yarrabug. A show about bikes. Get on your bike. Riding them. Sit on the seat. Fixing them. Push your feet on the pedal. Loving them. And ride all around. Mondays, 10 a.m. to 10:30 here on 3CR. Push your feet on the pedals and ride it all around. Ride it all around. 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. My name is Nick. You are listening to In Psychedelia here with Ash Blackwell and we are talking Students for Sensible Drug Policy this weekend, this Sunday, um, because uh, now that we're uh, almost halfway through March... Jesus, this year has gone by quickly. <laughs> it happens. Almost halfway through March, so a lot of the universities are now in, into the swing of things, into first semester. O-Week has occurred. Last time we spoke to SSTP on our monthly SSTP show, it was just before O-Week. Uh, now we're going to catch up with Dean Rossiter, who is from uh, the SSDP La Trobe chapter, studying politics, philosophy and economics there. Uh, Dean, welcome to In Psychedelia. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, now, Dean, uh, O-Week, is this, well, first of all, first year, second year, third year? Where, how long uh, in the university chain are you? Uh, so I've been at university for about five years, but I've been in my current degree for three years. So this must be, so, what, the, the final year before Masters, unless you're, like, spacing things out in different ways? Yeah, no, this is, this is my final year. I've got to um, sort of wrap things up for the degree, but um, I'm not sure what I'm hoping to do next year. Um, digging into clubs and societies at the moment to uh, try and develop a bit of a network and, and such there. So what, what, what's uh, driven your interest in drug policy, the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, right there in the name, obviously dedicated to drug policy issues, uh, and this is something you've recently come to, SSDP Latrobe being a very new chapter. You guys aren't quite an official club of Latrobe University, is that right? Uh, yeah, we're, we're not official yet, but we're having our uh, annual general meeting uh, next Tuesday, Tuesday the 14th. 
Tuesday and the uh, we should be an official club then because we uh, only need 10 members to attend that and uh, looks like we're going to have a fair few more than that. Um, as for my interest in uh, SSDP, uh, I was actually sort of recruited from a political meeting. Uh, I'm a Liberal Democrat, uh, which means I'm sort of a small government, uh, almost libertarian uh, sort of political philosophy. And uh, that puts me sort of in the realm of social liberty. And I believe uh, sort of individuals should have the right to choose what they do with their own body. And um, obviously that extends to things like drugs. And the war on drugs seems crazy to me. Um, and my main focus uh, for me personally, uh, not necessarily for the club I'm heading up, but is uh, to try and push for decriminalization and legalization of something like cannabis. Uh, but the the aims of the club also extend quite heavily into uh, sort of pill testing and uh, safe injecting rooms and harm reduction tactics. Because I think that's where the interest of uh, a lot of the other members lies. So you've had uh, about what two two and a half weeks of university this year in twenty seventeen semester one. Um, how has the response been so far? You've had O week. Have you got lots of members? Are people interested in this issue? Is this a hot issue for university students? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, we had two days in O-Week. One of them was sort of impromptu, um, and we didn't have too many sign-ups that day, but there was a lot of interest in the club. Um, but the day following that was Club Fest, so that's when everyone comes to check out the clubs and the, uh, hear, hear their pitch and kind of sign up to new things, and there was loads of interest at Club Fest. Um, and that's a lot of first-year students, and it's really good to see them getting involved in clubs. Um, and I think... I've been doing sort of pitches since then at lectures and politics students and health sciences students and even uh, the psychology students seem really interested in uh, sort of drug policy and uh, also drug research as well. Awesome. And is there um, particular sort of things that are really catching them, like particular ideas or arguments that are really sort of catching people's eye? Um, Yep. So we've had sort of uh, a few uh, gatherings of, of people who've been interested so far and the key thing that's interesting us at the moment is sort of pill testing. Uh, we're really interested in uh, getting our hands on some pill testing kits or uh, even learning a bit about the uh, sh- sort of extensive version, the mass, spect- mass spectrometer type pill testing, and seeing if we can get this sort of set up to distribute them at the uni somehow and help people sort of take drugs safely if they're going to. Excellent. Yeah, I saw um, photos of the Latrobe table up on the SSDP page. Looks pretty pretty awesome. You guys had a pretty strong crew there helping you put it all together? Yep. So there's, uh, we've had quite a lot of interest from a number of members, and there's about six of us that are, are really heavily engaged at the moment. So they've been organising and um, really getting into making the club happen, and it's really good to see. Um, so do you want uh, names or...? No, just a bit of an essence of like how things are going, how, you know. Do they um, have any ideas about what you guys would like to accomplish for the year or is it a bit too early to, to kind of figure all that out? Yep. Um, well, at the moment we're just looking into sort of week-by-week activities and making sure we've got sort of broad goals in terms of we want to promote education, we want to uh, push policy and uh, get in government here a bit. Um, but at the moment, we're mostly planning week-by-week events. So we want to do things like a uh, pill te- uh, testing kit workshop, uh, maybe have some lectures from people, maybe a Know Your Right session about drugs. Uh, lots of basic information that I think people don't always learn, 
because current drug education is a bit sketchy and uh, quite a lot of it's fear-driven and um, not really from an educational, strictly informational, even from an accuracy kind of standpoint. And this is why I think um, the Students for Sensible Drug Policy and SSDB, uh, well, sorry, SSDB chapters are important that they're setting up at universities. Yeah, universities are our institutions of education, but they are also uh, largely uh, not not discounting those who are mature students, mature students, because I. Uh, I'm currently still in the middle of doing the politics, philosophy and economics degree. Haven't finished that yet. Uh, and I would certainly be a mature age student. But they're largely youth institutions. They're largely uh, for people that have uh, uh, exited uh, high school and they're looking to put a uh, qualification under their belt so that they can get out into the into the so-called real world. Um, these are rather important issues even if it's not something that they themselves do, because at these ages, a lot of people uh, do experiment with a number of things. You are more likely to be um, uh, going towards more risky activities, no matter what you're pursuing. I mean, a lot of a lot of ac academic studies to, to sort of be at the, the frontier of whatever you're studying, you have to put yourself at risk, um, almost no matter what area that you are. Like if you're thinking of uh, or any kind of um, science, for example, or in, in the humanities. I think even outside of the, um, the academic pursuits, like, the, the, you know, one of the things that like sort of really spun me out when I first went to uni was... Um, just the diversity of culture, you know, and political philosophies and, and places where people are coming from. I grew up in just suburban Australia, you know, you know, like middle class, kind of mostly white suburban Australia. And and then, you know, holy crap, I'd never I'd never met feminists like that before. And, and you know, of, like a lot of diversity uh, of political of thinkers, of, you know, and, and Dean, you're you're five years into university. So you're almost like uh, for a lot of the a lot of the people that are probably going to join the uh, the club and a lot of people that might be listening right now, they haven't got the same experience with university that that you do. So uh, tell us about the sort of dynamics going on maybe at Latrobe uh, between clubs. Are you, are you getting a good reception from other people that are involved with, uh, you know, heavy organisational things, other clubs, other societies at the university? Uh, yep, we've actually had a really good response from other clubs. A lot of them have said that, uh, that they're going to support us. Uh, obviously, we've gotten support from the Sex Party and Greens Party uh, clubs because they support sort of our position politically. But there's loads of other smaller clubs that just want to help out because they can recognise there's a bit of a challenge in setting up a new club and uh, they can see that it's a sort of a sensible, straightforward message and, and want to get involved. Maybe uh, something else, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll change tact for a sec. Can you tell us a little bit about... Uh We've asked you why you're sort of interested in this, and you've said that you know you've been there for five years and you want to get involved with this this sort of issue. But there are are there some core issues uh, other than the ones that sort of interest the group? Something that interests you, maybe something that's affected your life, something that you've seen directly that you really want to get involved with, just to sort of appease your mind or try and try and stop something that you feel is avoidable from happening in the future or something like that. Um, so, personally, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag with me. Again, because it's a, a libertarian sort of uh, mindset, the things that concern me are sort of government encroachment on individual liberties. And uh, in the case of drugs, a lot of those have already occurred, um, and we, we need to wind them back. But not all of them. There are sort of a lot of restrictions that the government are uh, proposing, and they always have sort of new ones. 
Uh, even something like a uh, tax on sugar seems to me to be the same sort of restriction. Um, or the new, they're, they're trying to implement restrictions on codeine to require a prescription to access codeine. And I think uh, that I actually had sort of a, a moment of this is crazy kind of thing. Uh, I was up all, all night with sort of dental pain and I was just thinking to myself, if I couldn't get sort of codeine or couldn't get this sort of pain relief, this would have been a really, really horrible night. And I've had this more than once. It, it, not being able to access sort of drugs at certain times can be really awful. And I think there are sort of good reasons why these things shouldn't have such high barriers in front of them. Can I throw you into the constructor's seat for a moment, the visionary's suit, uh, seat? The seat where uh, where we're putting you now, uh, Dean, is you uh, get to be in control of uh, coming up with a new kind of policy reality that solves some of the problems that you've been thinking about. Can you outline for us what some solutions... They don't have to be correct. I understand you're not really in this seat. It's, it's an imagination game we're playing here, but what, what are some of the ideas that you've got to solve some of these problems? Yep. So uh, the first thing to understand about sort of prohibition is that it, it creates a lot of problems in and of itself. So uh, restricting drugs, uh, especially the way they've restricted them by quantity, leads to more severe drugs. So people increase the sort of potency of their drugs so that they... Uh, have less risk by having large amounts of them on them and uh, this leads to things like overdoses and um, also when people make these products they make them with new compounds to try and get around current drug laws if you see sort of the I think it's schedule 11 the list of uh, illicit substances it's a very long list of specific chemicals and uh, people who make drugs will alter their drugs so that uh, they get around these restrictions. New restrictions have to be put in place, but that means you've got an ever-changing drug, and the consumer in the drug market never knows what they're buying. So uh, they end up buying things that do them a lot more harm and don't actually give them sort of the results that they're looking for. Um, but aside from, like, it'd be great to just sort of stop policing things tomorrow. I think that would be a step forward, in fact. So decriminalization is, is the first thing. If we just stop spending a lot of money, because it is a lot of money, on uh, trying our best to destroy the drug market and failing because the market resists it. Uh, I think we can use some of those funds into helping people try to get out of the problems that drugs can sometimes cause. Because again, it is sometimes. Uh, most drug users don't have the sort of problems that you'll often see on TV or in the media. And if you because if you recognise that it's, it's a small fraction of drug users that actually have these severe problems, then you can see that the costs for policing an entire market um, outweigh sort of the costs of helping a few people. All right, so we the problem taken. We, we we've uh, got the issue outlined that we've got a uh, actually a far fewer amount of people that need help uh, than those uh, that don't need help. 
and we, we're understanding yep. that. But something something I'm interested in as well, um, and I think it's probably on the minds of a lot of people that might be listening right now, is uh, there are still those that fall into hard times. And it, I think this especially happens for those that are outside of uh, perhaps they haven't had a very good education, perhaps they haven't had a very good life overall, perhaps they're marginalised in other ways. What? How do, how do we help these people if they do fall on hard times? Because there are physiological physiological facets to a lot of uh, substances that um, might uh, might be quite uh, useful for people in short term. I think it's sort of uh, dependency is a really difficult sort of problem to work through. But um, mostly, what you need there is support from communities. You need people who can help each other and get them in contact with services um, that'll be able to sort of work them through it. That even if, if it's an for example, an opioid addiction, um, you might need to have sort of regular controlled amounts of the substance to wean you off it sort of thing. And uh, you can't get that sort of thing while you still have a heavy policing of it and while you still have a really heavy stigma around it because people don't want to come forward and say that they have these problems. And it's hard for people to sort of develop these communities and to uh, interact with each other in the community to get the help that they need. Dean Rossiter is one of the founding members of the Students for Sensible Drug Policy chapter or SSDP chapter at La Trobe University. Uh, They have just completed their O-Week around about two weeks ago and they're looking for members to found the society and help it, or whatever you call it, club society. I don't know, they've got different terminologies at each university, uh, to, to help it grow across this year and to help the SSDP chapters across uh, Victoria and across the country grow uh, over the next year. Dean, um, thank you for our chat this afternoon. Is there anything you'd like to uh, leave us on? Perhaps uh, any anything for any students that might be listening now or anybody that knows any students? Uh, so, yeah, if you know anyone that might be interested, um, please contact SSDP. You can uh, find them on the Australia website, and there's a sign-up page there. You'll get in touch with us, and if you need help either through you just need help with drugs, we can put you in touch with those services in terms of uh, if you have sort of drug-related problems. But if you want to help out politically, uh, that's also a really good space uh, to sign up, and we can get you involved in sort of dismantling the awkward policies around drugs. A very big congratulations. The Latrobe chapter um, was one of the, the later ones to get rolling, uh, you know, only really just getting, finding their feet early this year and you've done a fantastic job uh, out there at Latrobe to get things going. So congratulations, Dean. You're doing a great job out there. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure being on here.
from Melbourne and New Zealand, Cheshire, with uh, Guantanamera, the Cheshire Boot remix on 3CR. Uh, Community Radio 855 AM Digital, streaming at the website 3cr.org.au. And right now you're listening to In Psychedelia. We're just about to finish up for this afternoon. If you want to hear uh, anything uh, more from the show, we do have a podcast at 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the In Psychedelia program page. Um, while you're there, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter where you can find what we write and what we take pictures of and other sorts of medium. We, we do get uh, a little bit media in all sorts of ways. But right now, let's. Uh, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, Ash? So next Sunday, the Free Cannabis Community are hosting their monthly uh, cannabis picnic. Um, I, I believe this one will still be a cannabis-free event. Um trying to maintain that good relationship with the peace, uh, police there. And you can find them from 2pm on next Sunday the 19th at Flagstaff Gardens. Uh, and Free ca- Cannabis Community is what you can find on Facebook if you want to find them uh, there as well. Um, if uh, you are somebody that's studying at La Trobe, uh, the La Trobe uh, uh, group of people who are looking to form the SSDP chapter. Uh, if you're studying at any university, uh, we have chapters now at La Trobe, Deakin um, and Melbourne universities and uh, people organising at Monash and Swinburne and a crew now at uh, ACU as well and at Holmes Glen in Waverley. So we're getting right out there amongst the different universities. Dean Rossiter, who we spoke to earlier in the program, uh, is organising an AGM for the La Trobe SSDP chapter this Tuesday from 5 PM. If you are a Latrobe student, do get in touch with them. But as Ash mentioned, any students anywhere, even if there's no SSDP well, chapter, get in even contact. if you're not a student and you just want to get politically active, we are not going to turn you away. And if you have any comments, uh, contributions, complaints, suggestions, anything that you'd like to send through to us, please get in contact with us at 3cr.org.au. It's the place to go to uh, find the Insacadelia program page and much, much more. So please go do check it out. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. We will be back from 2pm next week on 3CR. And right now, it is Queering the Air. See you later. This is Insacadelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.